Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, David. Uh, here we are again for yet another week talking about films. Another week. More films. Exist. Yeah. Than, that more films exist now than have ever existed before. More and more content, and the quality probably less. You think? You think overall now, if you watched every single film, you, it would probably be a worse experience than having watched every single film 50 years ago? I think it probably peaked in the late 80s. Is it, that because of uh, the generation you are a part of? No. Okay. Because I'm correct. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair enough. I'm no longer in the main generation. I'm out of touch now. Okay. I went, uh, I've experienced, uh, I've had a week of experiences, I've talked about this before, but, and some listeners may know, but this is a, also a plug, because of my flailing career, I decided I was trying to make a video a day for a week, so I went out every single day and edited a video, made it out the next day, it took me about 18 hours a day, but I had a lot of interaction with the general, general public. Yes. I think standards of behaviour, I'm sure every generation says this, but standards of behaviour have fallen. In what sense? What what happened? Just people are... If you're filming or talking to them on your camera, people just walk straight... A amount of times people walked straight into me or saying something or just came and had no uh, sense of anyone's personal space or I was looking at some exhibit in a museum and the rest of the thing was empty and someone would come along... And interrupt me filming, or just look at, or stand in front of me in an empty room, was quite staggering. I should have made an essay on the lack of uh, observance of personal space in the modern age. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I've got a weird radar where my personal space. <laughs> what or, you're sending out, like uh, pheromones that say "invade me." No, I in- think maybe, what it, is that when you get on a bus? Yeah. Unwritten rule is that it, until their seats are no, no, no longer free, you don't sit next to someone. You don't sit next to someone, or you leave the space in front or behind are generally no go. It's always weird if you sit there directly behind someone, yeah, or in yeah. front of someone. Yep, yeah. it's just unwritten rules. I don't think it. in front of someone's a problem. But if it's 
Because it's about trust, isn't it? So it's like... Yeah. You're, yeah That's I, less bad than the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. But if, it, if the whole of the bus is empty... Yeah. And you ask a normal person to fill up that bus, and maybe you start with one person, well, yeah, that person can sit there, where can you sit? You almost give everyone space, and the bus starts filling up. In a, a mathematical, computerised exercise... Yes. I think people have done studies on this as well. Have they? There's one I know about, which is... Um, here's a nice one for you. Uh, what is, it's got nothing to do with films. So we'll get on to that in a second. Uh, mathematically, what is the safest toilet to use in a public toilet? Your own hands. <laughs> Incorrect. A- and that's why you have a disease. <laughs> it's the one closest to the door. Because everybody always comes in apparently and they even subconsciously go oh everyone uses that one so they they start from the second toilet okay. in terms of counting which one they're going to go you never would never use the last toilet because you think that's the one that all the drugs they're really horrible shits and <laughs> everything takes place in the very end one sure but the first the first one is the cleanest most first toilets have never been urinated never in. never been used never been used but anyway we're not here to talk about um, toilets in personal space I wish we were yeah well, I'm sorry we've got other things to do I listen to some other film podcasts oh yeah for research or for revenge yeah because I'm painting dec- I'm back to painting and decorating now and um, I'm listening to quite a lot of podcasts um, to make up my day and there's a lot of chat of non-film chat Right, and some of it is very. I mean, not saying this is probably quite poor, but <laughs> I think poorer than this. This is grade A quality content. But this. some of them, this, this is not. I mean, this is only. <laughs> this is a very niche podcast. Yeah, listened to by Chris Webb and a, 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 a load of spam bots, as far in, as I can see. An increasingly dwindling audience, but ones in the top ten. I was quite surprised by the uh, amount of inane chatter. Well, well, we should do more inane chatter, yeah, such, talk, such as this. Talking about the bumming man. which but, Well, know. that is technically film-related. I mean, it will happen one day. It yeah. just, we, we just have a funding problem at the moment, that's all. Yeah. If someone's won the lottery and wants the bumming man to get made... <laughs> then give us all of your lottery money. I reckon I could do it. <laughs> yeah? For how much? Well, I'm desperate. I'm, I mean, depending on what, what you wanted to be in the film and the quality... I would like it to be the highest quality. Well, that millions and millions. Yeah. Well, I can't do it. Then. What's the least you think you could make it? On? Well, I could shoot it on the it... camera I film my films on. <laughs> sure. And it would probably it would have to be an hour and a half. Uh, yeah, just under probably eighty-five minutes at least. And I, would I need another cast, or could I play them all myself? I think if you were shooting it, you'd also need cast members. Yeah. I could do it. I've managed to film all my stuff myself. I've okay. cooked it myself. So it's it's not a found footage film. Well, it is, but it's a selfie film. It's a film but shot could, entirely yeah. in selfies. But yeah, but you just set the camera on a tripod. I could do it myself, an hour and a half. So say that's five minutes a day plus. You can edit five minutes a day. I need to survive. My bare minimum is seventy pounds. Someone work it out. I could probably do it for about five grand. Okay, well, there you go. If you'd like the bombing man to exist, five grand is the asking price, apparently. Um, I know that can all go to Marek. Uh, I don't know if he wants me involved at this point. Well, how much do you charge? What's your day rate? Well, it depends what you want me to do. Well, you're going to be playing the bleacher, aren't you? The bleacher, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. 
guy bitches people's arseholes. That's right. But I'm as you're you. playing everyone else, it would have to be your arsehole. That'd be a problem, wouldn't it? Because once <laughs> that'd be a real problem. Because once it would be, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a problem, Gemma. But no, I mean problem, my problem, bleach is good, but it's not that good. The problem, <laughs> the problem would be is once it's bleached. Yeah, it, that's it. It's bleached, and then we need to bring hair and makeup back in. Yeah, we need to unbleach to refoul it. it up. Yeah, I mean it sounds expensive to be honest. Maybe the bleachers for the sequel. We're talking never forty-five grand. Yeah, we are. We are just to add the bleacher into it. Well, let's talk about actual films. Actual films. Well, I went to the cinema this week. Um, I went to the Picture House Central um, to use my lovely free tickets, uh, which I got. Um, Why? Do you remember? I'm a member, and they closed the... Actually, I forgot they closed. I went along to see a film, and there was a really rude, surly bouncer on the door. He's like, not a cinema tonight. Not a cinema. I was just like, oh, can we use the bar? He's like, not a cinema. Just like wouldn't communicate at all. Just yeah. clearly been told this sentence, um, but because they were having some sort of advertising industry showcase thing there, but as a result, they gave all of their members uh, a couple of free tickets to later showings to make up for the fact that they'd sold out their their, their safe place for an evening, um, which was heaven sent because I went to a three D screening because it was the only one I could go to. Tickets, I believe, were 23 quid each. What? So I got 46 quid worth of... Uh, Did you get glasses as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, but all for free because of that. But I went to see The Jungle Book, which is Disney's uh, remake, basically, of their uh, 1960s classic. Mm-hmm. Um uh, this one directed by John Favreau with an enormous amount of CGI in it. I mean, it's almost exclu- It's almost um, a cartoon, actually. There is a human boy in it playing Mowgli, and he runs around presumably some real sets, but the entire thing is set in India, but it was filmed in LA, indoors, the entire thing. Um, which sounds charmless, because I'm not one for big CGI creature features really I'm not a big fan but this was beautifully done almost because it was all CGI Life of Pi exactly I think Life well Little little Boy with a Tiger basically film seems to be becoming a genre but Life of Pi probably seeing that told them they could do it made them know we can actually do this Um, now there's been some changes it's it's broadly speaking the exact same story um, Mowgli is a man cub who has been brought up, uh, who was found as a baby by Bakira, uh, the panther who is played by, or voiced, I should say, by Sir Ben Kingsley. Um, and give oh, I think you've got his name wrong. Sir Ben Kingsley. King Bensley. <laughs> Sorry, King Bensley. Yeah. Um, and he's then raised by wolves, and but then the tiger Shere Khan comes back, who was burnt in the face by a uh, man and so wants to kill Mowgli and so Mowgli has to go on an, an odyssey basically to find his own people. And he comes across Baloo the Bear and uh, King Louis and all of this. Um, and also a snake voiced by Scarlett Johansson. Um, and it's very well done, actually. It's, it's, it's got very good reviews and it's visually stunning, actually. Like, it's a real risk, though, to take on one of yeah. the... You would say that's their sort of top three ever. Animations. What do you reckon their big ones are? Because well, Snow White, Snow White's the original, yeah, isn't it? Feature film animation. Then you've got in the 
that won, uh, wasn't it, uh, eight Oscars. It won one Oscar and seven little ones as a little joke, I think. Oh, Jungle Book, definitely. Yeah. Uh, not 101 Dalmatians. Cinderella? Not really, I don't really see him. Sleeping Beauty? Not the same, nowhere no. near. I mean, I like the second generation ones, actually. Of Beauty and the Beast. Of Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, um, Little Mermaid, those yeah. ones. Um, but, so this is, um, it's, a, it's a, a couple of things they did brilliantly, is uh, Baloo. Do you know who voices Baloo? Not Idris Elba. No, who would be the best, Idris Elba is in it, and I'll get on to that. John Goodman. Uh, no, he's the best Baloo you could possibly think of to play a sort of kindly, uh, lazy bear, is Bill Murray. And oh, okay. the film just so elevates as soon as he's there because it's like he's written is entirely his own, own dialogue. The rest of it falls into that sort of epic, epic narrative dialogue that every film is in now. You know, it's sort of Lord of the Ringsy sort mm. of... Um, uh, you know, I, I can't even mimic it, but it's just really earnest. You know, superhero films do it a lot as well. But Baloo's dialogue is just Peter Venkman. Like, he talks like Bill Murray. So it's instantly a real character rather than just someone doing a voice. And similarly, actually, King Louis is played as a basically King Kong-sized orangutan voiced by Christopher Walken, who is terrifying. Like, they're playing him as, basically, Colonel Kurtz from uh, Apocalypse Now, quite obviously. and But almost like a gangster who's like, he's got everything he wants. He's surrounded by smaller monkeys who do his, all of his bidding, and all he wants is fire. And he want, and it's threatening. Like, And it's, it's a really well-done bit, you know? It's not like... But it's weird. They've, they've kept two songs. They've kept... Um, the Bare Necessities, yeah. which is sort of quite sweet, Baloo singing it whilst he swims on his back. And is it, uh, who, is Bill Murray singing it? Yeah, and he's doing it sort of like, like he's just making it up, really, which is really sweet and nice and fits the film. Yeah. And then King Louis sings I Want to Be Like You. Yeah. And there are no other songs in the whole thing. And, Chris, and that's the only one that's done like a proper musical number. Christopher Walken singing Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's really strange. It They get away with it. It kind of works, but it is odd. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's they change the ending, and I think they're wimping out. Personally, they make it less meaningful at the end. Uh, but it's a it's a beautiful looking thing, and I don't know if kids will like it. I'm sure they will, though, because the animals are incredibly charming. Like they've they've studied real animals so well. But There's still a problem as with as good as the original. Um, I haven't seen the original probably since I was, you know, seven years old. Okay. So I can't tell you. I can tell you with the endings that... Oh, spoilers. Well, it's not really spoilers. I mean, we know what it's Disney. But, I, yeah, I, it, it, they've, they've switched the ending so it's not about growing up anymore. And it's just about victory. And that mm. means it's it's sort of not what the story's about anymore. Bullshit. Yeah. But everything's very well done. Idris Elba is in a... Th- three-picture deal, I think, with animations with Disney, one of which was Zootropolis that yeah. we talked about last week and you hated him doing. He He's Shere Khan in this. And again, his voice work is kind of iffy. Like Sometimes he's embodying that creature and sometimes he's just sort of a cockney and it, it wavers a lot. But um, of all the voices, uh, Idris Elba hasn't got a great voice. No, I mean, to play like the... Violent, she can't, yeah, 
Oh, one role. of the best voiceover uh, jobs ever, isn't it? The yeah. guy who played what was his name? I can't remember. I can't remember but, but the all guy the who played Shia Khan. The was it needs to be velvety, doesn't it? It was such menace. Not in it. Idris Elba. I don't understand what the. I mean, uh, he he must know seen someone bum someone. <laughs> you think? Yeah. But why do you think he keeps getting cast in these things? With uh, that aside, I don't. I do not. Uh, no. Yeah. Well. Um, it, it's incredible what they can do with computers now, you know. And the little kid is utterly on his own, acting his socks off. Like you yeah. believe it, you totally believe it. Like it's it, they've done incredible work from the. Sorry, I'm just looking up Sheer Khan. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, oh, George Sanders. You recognise him from the? Um... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean his voice in the original is wonderful. But um, he's in the original Mission Impossible TV series. Um, it looks absolutely stunning, and it you you buy into that world one hundred percent. You know the this, the CGI has gotten good enough now. There's still a problem with um, creatures having human voices when they have a jaw that doesn't have lips and just does. You know, the, there's still something weird about giving animals human voices without any change to their. You know how the voice sounds. You know it's still a bit weird. You prefer it when they're doing physical acting in comedy uh, over actually just speaking. But um, it it does kind of work. But I read that uh, Baloo, for instance, was so fluffy as a character, which obviously every individual hair is an actual construct in their software. Yeah. Every frame which had Baloo in it took five hours to render every wow. single frame so you, they'd have to be certain they'd got it right before they clicked render on that thing yeah. you know? like it's su- it's supremely detailed but it's John Favreau I think is a very very good director I think he's he's got such a good technical eye I don't think he's a genius and so it, it's it's a really efficiently beautifully constructed film that doesn't do anything we have not seen before. There, there is, I mean, it's got it's a remake for starters, so it's going to feel like we're treading old ground in some ways. But there's, he's gone back and sort of put bits of the Lion King in there, and the Lion King borrowed heavily from the Jungle Book. So it all just sort of is circling itself down the plug hole, feeling like we we we're just doing this again now. Like the beginning is incredibly Lion King, and there's even a. Um, a uh, bison uh, stampede bit like there is in The Lion King and all of this. Mm. So it's, if I had criticisms, it would be they wimp on the story slightly and there's not enough new ideas. But in terms of delivering a kid's film, it's it's really good. It's really good. Um, How many Davids? I think I'd give it eight. Yeah, it's got eight on IMDb. It's a good score. It? Yeah. No, it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing. Hmm. Um, if you know it is a kids film at the end of the day so you're not going to get much else than that but I I was really surprised how sort of creepy and dark they made King Louis who is a sort of annoyance in the original isn't he he sort of kidnaps him but in a fun way you think you'd have Christopher Walken as Shere Khan yeah yeah he works as King Louis because they're playing him more of a sort of mafia boss so that sort of Italian American thing works quite well yeah 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 Exactly, exactly. But yeah, no, I was pleasantly surprised because I wanted to go see 
um, a different film that you've gone to see. So oh, gosh. I, I went to this instead. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I mean, I I, oh, uh, dear, oh, dear. I asked the man at the counter where was the best place to sit for a three D film. When he asked where I wanted to sit, I was like, he's "Is is it in the middle just here or at the side?" He gently undid his like, trousers. No, and he just went. Down. He just said, um, "I don't know. I avoid them like the plague." Whilst looking directly into my eyes, like he was making a judgment call on me. I was did like, you say don't judge. All me? right, mate. Yeah. Did you say don't. Did no, you, I didn't. I just, did I just him? finished him off and went into the cinema. That's all. That sounds nice. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yes. So that's the Jungle Book. Um. Yeah, if you'd like, if you've seen it and have a differing opinion, why not tell us about it? Or if you'd just like to talk to us about anything you like, then you can email us on dearfilmfandango at gmail dot com, or you can post things you find online, as many of you have done this week. And thank you very much to our Facebook page, that's forward slash filmfandango, or you can tweet us at David Reed at Mister Merritt Larwood, and no, at Merritt Larwood at Mister David Reed and at Film Fandango. I got that wrong. You, you should, when you tweet me at Marit Larwood, you should always address me as Mr. or Sir. Absolutely, but don't put in Mr. Marit Larwood because that's an entirely different guy. That is a registered sex offender. <laughs> so confusing. That is look a, like sisters. He looks very much like me, but Mr. Marit Larwood is a predatory sex offender who <laughs> tracks down people who tweet him directly. Now, if he does exist, this is libel, isn't it? So, uh, shall we see if he's... No, no, not being Mr. Marit Larwood, or someone with some weirdo who's set one up now. It's someone who's set up... Uh, let's have a look. I'm looking it up. I want to see if you've just slandered also, someone. Also, why are you doing that? I've been listening to the podcast, and they do this thing which we don't do. They go, oh, please make sure you subscribe. We don't do that. Yep. And they also say, please write comments on our... On our um, iTunes. iTunes page, because reviews, reviews. I mean, we've got quite a few bad ones, but no, our, our ratings all right, isn't it? But if you've enjoyed it, then why not write a review? Yeah, on if the you iTunes if you page? end up downloading it every week anyway, then why not subscribe? It helps uh, our visibility, and then more people can find it. Um, yes, I think it's time for this. Well, someone's written in on our Facebook page and, and people have tweeted in uh, uh, Bill um, uh, Boswell and, uh, and Coletta and a few people because I watch it down as one of my favourite things films um, to, to tell me about the fact that they've written the BBC is doing and remaking it well I knew it? this because I got my uh, voiceover agent who's never been in touch yeah. I was on my way to the cinema a few weeks ago and she said um, oh she sent a round-robin email, I don't know if I should be talking about this or not, to literally 35 of the clients saying, there's all these minor parts from Warship Down going, can you send in a showreel, an audition tape for them? Right. So rather than going to cinema, I rushed by, by can you send in an audition tape by 6.30? This was about half past one. So I rushed home and did five hours of doing different voices. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I saw this come out today thinking, What's the point in asking me? They just ask cast famous people. Of course, yeah. And one of them, Idris Elba, apparently. As what is he? I don't. I um, don't know. Well, the, the talk is that they're going. They're going. John Boyega is playing. Um, uh, John Boyega, uh, Ben Kingsley, Olivia Coleman, Nicholas Holt, and James McAvoy have all been signed up to do the voices for um, uh, the latest Warship Down. 
I don't think they're ever going to beat that original, but it'll be fun, interesting to see what they're doing. I don't, it doesn't say Idris Elba's doing it. Okay. Uh, there's talk about them watering it down because they're worried about the kids being upset by it. Why do it then? Like, I mean, this is my question. It, I understand, to a certain degree, remaking a great story if you're going to do something different with it. For instance, you know, if you're going to do an entirely different animation style or if, you know, there's... It, being retold, it can have a different connotations with modern uh, contemporary society than it did back then, or whatever. Even just doing it in widescreen instead of four three, which the old one probably is. But what? Why? Why shy away from the violence and the creepiness when that's sort of why we remember Watership Down? Yeah. Well, and also the voices as well. I don't think you can beat the people they had. You can't beat John John Hurt's voice uh, and. Um, you know Ralph Richardson and all the other people. Yeah, got, yeah. These people's voices aren't. John Boyega is not as good as the his voice isn't as good as the original Big Wig, and I'm just not convinced by it. Um, we, yeah, we should hold judgment until we've seen it. I suppose. Well, it annoys me that this is one thing they really crap their pants about. Oh, the, the violence of it. I think the, the thing I find more offensive, which is on TV the whole time. I think I talked about this before. Is the over sexualization of things. Yeah. That are you know people wiggling their butts about and almost semi pornographic stuff yeah, really yeah. on TV the whole time music videos that's completely fine yeah a rabbit being being killed is somewhat more disturbing than um, sexualising kids I think I, it's crazy I think um, I think the kids stuff that I've seen and obviously my uh, capacity for watching kids stuff has diminished as I have become no longer a kid but. They seem to shy away from death more these days, which I think is a great shame because it, it it it's a part of life, and kids need to understand that it happens. You know, um, they shy away from the difficult topics basically in order to make it like candy that you can just consume it and it's all happy making and stuff. The Jungle Book does this at the end of its really? thing; it shies away from the difficult thing that it's all been about. Um, and I think I think Watership Down's the same. Like the, Doctor Who, prime example, where in the current uh, crop of them, I do watch it. Is whenever anyone dies, they'll be back the next episode, and death is no longer permanent. And I think that's damaging for kids. You know, to, they should go through the feelings of missing and uh, grieving for a fictional character because that's a way of training wheels for when they actually lose someone you know they have to understand the full spectrum of of humanity you know and I think having just sort of sweeping death under the rug is really probably damaging for society to be honest I think it's a different reaction I think because all this year obviously loads of celebrities have died it's been quite shocking yeah but I think we've got our generation have always been a pandered generation where we're not used to it whereas my grandparents' generation in the war that was every you know yeah. in the second world war everyone knew lots of people who died it was a normal you know it was a huge part of it, much more in your face part of, of life of course and we were just not uh, seemed more shocked by it but before you know not, not that long before all of that uh, infant mortality would have meant that most people yeah. were totally okay with death the idea that you know you'll probably lose one or two of your kids you know and and we, we it is we are protected by medicine as well i guess but i just think sort of understanding death and understanding it it's not you know it 
it is permanent as part of life. I don't know. It's a side. It's a side point, probably. But um, it it does seem like there's a worrying trend to ignore it. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I I think it's crazy. Um, we'll, we'll look at uh, see if we've got any other letters then. Who who's written in? And we've got an email here from J Daniel Pacey, um, who says. Here's a letter to try and help end the email drought. I don't think I've had a letter read out since you reviewed Life of Pi, mostly due to my not getting around to writing. I saw Midnight Special, I keep wanting to call it Midnight Express, this week, which I was looking forward to as a fan of Jeff Nichols' previous two films, and due to the hushed hype surrounding it. Unfortunately, I was underwhelmed. It was intriguing enough, well-made and acted, and featured some nice set pieces, but I found myself bored at times and felt like I'd seen it all before. I felt the exact same thing. Um, Mud is a whole lot better in en- in any case. Spoiler-ish. I did like the cheeky Star Wars 7 reference where Adam Driver mentions the code words Red Saber, assuming that is uh, it was an in- intentional reference. Here's hoping that one or both of you go to see it so I can hear your opinions. Yes, so uh, I did see it and I felt the same way. It's... Um, did you write this email? I didn't, no. Um, however, the best film that I've seen recently is an adventure documentary called Meru, which is about the ascent of a lesser-known Himalayan peak by three professional climbers. Much of the climbing footage is beautiful, yet utterly terrifying for a non-climber, making the spectacle of Everest seem distinctly mundane. Additionally, some of the experiences that the team endured prior to their attempt are almost unbelievable and really put the adventure lifestyle into perspective. Despite my reservations, I would still give both Midnight Special and Victoria seven Daniels each, but Meru scores a lofty nine Daniels. Keep watching the films. P.S. This might seem like a bit of a strange question, but can you please continue to feature advertising at the start of your podcasts? It is surprisingly entertaining. Well, I'm afraid that's up to uh, sponsors, isn't it? At the moment, no one is interested. No one's interested right now, but, you know... But maybe it'll be Christmas delivered again one day. Who knows? It's Christmas delivered. <laughs> you love saying that. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, have we got any more? Yeah. Here's one from Tom Saunders, uh, captain of the Balam Choke Hazard Vorsball team. Oh, yeah. Those are people you follow. Hey, gang. This person likes writing letters, letters. Just thought I'd recommend a film we stumbled across last night on terrestrial TV, of all things. It's called... The Spectacular Now. And the description gives you an, exi- an idea of exactly how it's going to go. This is the description bit. A hard-parting high school senior's philosophy on life changes when he meets a not-so-typical nice girl. However, the refreshing thing about it all, about it is that all the beats and tropes that you're now imagining never happen. The relationships are realistic, the characters are well-rounded and likeable, and the story avoids all the cliches you, you'd expect. It has some cracking actors in it, Miles Teller, Shalene Woodley and Brie Larson, who all give charming performances. I mean, they're all Oscar sort of quality actors they are. It's even got Bubbles from The Wire as a geometry teacher who doesn't give the expected stirring speech about how the protagonist needs to straighten up and fly right or impress him to work any harder. Uh, it's possible that because we've never heard of it and it didn't get a UK release and had no expectations, that it impressed us more than it deserves. But I'll probably never watch it again so I'll never know. It's written by the guy who did the 14 Hour Stars and 500 Days of Summer, so it's clearly aimed at young folk. 
but not having seen a teen drama that isn't by John Hughes, I was pleasantly surprised. So why not check out that? The Spectacular Now. The Spectacular Now and Meru. M-E-R-U. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, there's two recommendations for us. Well, great. Um, now, Marek, you saw a film this week, didn't you? Yes, I uh, tried to catch up on... Um, I'm a documentary fan, as um, Reg listeners will uh, know. Um, so I'm working my way through the Oscar-nominated directors, and the one I hadn't seen was Cartelland, which is... Uh, I mean, it should be renamed, Don't Go to Mexico. <laughs> It's all. It's a documentary about the Mexican drug wars and the corrupt state of affairs out there. I mean, do you know anything about this? For you? Only a bit. I mean, very little. I, Sicario is about the same thing. Really. Yeah. Uh, but is a fiction, obviously. I mean, um, the picture it paints is pretty much that every single town's run by drug lords who are all in the government and they're making a bit like Breaking Bad. Yeah. But but reality. And uh, everyone's scared. It's funny, it's funny you mentioned Breaking Bad uh, because um, the guy who plays Gus is the voice of the head of the wolf pack in Jungle Book, which is a very odd choice, but it works really, really well. He's got quite a nice gentle voice. Yeah, he does, he? exactly. You can believe him as a strong uh, but silent type. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. So these um, drugs cartels, and they, they've got these weird names like the Knights Templar, and they just go and kill people or anyone or they just have revenge attacks on people or anyone who stands in their way it sounds like a horrific way of life and the people of Mexico are sick of it so this doctor um, decides um, his name is let me just I mean my memory is so bad I apologise for this I'm just trying to remember the, 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 the doctor's name Doolittle? Okay, no, not Dr. Doolittle, but his brother, Dr. Morelles, uh, decides that he's going to set up a new um, defence, sort of new police, because the police are corrupt, called the Auto Defensor. And they go round to all these towns, and they stay there for five days, and they give people their T-shirts, and they get them to defend their own towns. So they're a militia? Yeah, and they go round and they target all the drugs people, and they you don't... It's a suggestion they may have killed some of them or whatever. Yeah, they're vigilantes, basically. But they're good vigilantes and they stop all the... That's what a vigilante is. Yeah. They stop all... Uh, they, uh, they And then the army come along and the army tell them to get lost. All the people get behind them because the army corrupt. Basically, in Mexico, everything's corrupt and it's a complete mess, all because of drugs. And this doctor looks like he's a saving grace, but then he's in a plane crash. And his right-hand man looks like he might have been corrupted. It's a mildly depressing look at Mexico which makes you feel that if you're listening to from in this in Great Britain that you live in a very very civilised place <laughs> I thought it was quite entertaining it wasn't a, a, a nice watch as some gritty documentaries never mm. are as usual you didn't really have that satisfaction of the uh, documentaries can fluke upon having a satisfactory end yeah you can never guarantee that. This is just an interesting story with an interesting character who has got his own um, uh, dark side as well. I would give it seven Marricks, and it's worth watching if you 
are thinking of going on holiday to Mexico. To the north of Mexico, presumably. It's it's near the border, right? I presume so, but I, I like to presume it's all exactly the same. It's yeah. all the same. That's yep. a huge country. Yeah, all exactly the same, yeah, just yeah. like England is. Yeah, and in fact, because all of the cocaine is grown in Colombia, probably every cu- country from Colombia to Mexico is exactly yeah, the all same. Yeah, it's all well. covered in this. It's all covered. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're a shitholes. They are run by drug dealers and never go there. Sure. They they would um, put all of these drug dealers out of a job by legalising drugs, wouldn't they? Just a thought. Um, yes. I mean, they would no longer have any power overnight. But the problem is the government are, uh, are all in on it as well. Yeah, that's what certainly was the opinion of the local people of Peru when I lived there. They, they thought that the drugs trade was actually certainly get backhanders to the governments of every country they need to pass through in order to get to Mexico to then pass it over the border to yeah. America where the money is. Um, yeah, but, you know, why wouldn't you if the problem isn't on your doorstep and it's incredibly profitable? Yeah, I mean, people you know, do anything for money, David. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of which, uh, we do this for free. So if you'd like to uh, give us some money, then why not go to our website, filmfandango.co.uk, and there's a little button there at the bottom in the middle uh, that says donate on it and you can donate uh, pounds to us uh, to keep us doing this really um, especially if you are currently under the employ of a drugs cartel <laughs> absolutely we, you have more money than cents and to be honest you need to get rid of some of that because otherwise it's going to destroy you and it, it would be a good I've got no problem accepting dirty money and, and neither the PayPal. So it would be a good way of just getting it out of the system, you know. Absolutely, make it off, clean money. Get it off the books. <laughs> uh, everyone who has already laundered their money through our website, thank you very much. It's much appreciated. It won't be returned. <laughs> it will never be returned. Uh, apart from back into a thriving economy. Um, I think that's it for this week, isn't yeah. it? Have you got any final thoughts? Keep watching, watching the films! films. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.